to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Hey, 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 Sarah McKenzie here. We're back with another round of episodes for the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is season 13. We have a bunch of wonderful guests who are coming to the show over the next couple of months to chat with us about how we can make meaningful and lasting connections with our kids through books. It's going to be a great season. So all through July and August, you can look forward to a brand new episode of the podcast dropping into your earbuds every Tuesday. And if you want to be the very first to know when a new podcast is available or when we have a new book list or free resource for you, you want to go to readaloudrevival.com and put your name on the email list there so that you get notified first. Another way you can do that is just by texting the word books to the number 345345. That's the word books. Text that to 345345. You'll be the first to know when we have new great resources for you, new podcasts, new book lists, new awesome things. And You'll also get access to our free read aloud book list, which is getting some updates over the coming year with some new favorite titles. So you're going to want to get that and make sure that you are on the list so you hear about those changes and improvements. Okay, well, today I have a very special guest, someone I've been wanting to have on the show for a long time. She has had quite the impact on my own parenting. I'm talking about Dr. Meg Meeker. Dave Ramsey calls her America's mother. She has been touted as the country's leading authority on parenting, teen, and children's health. She's been on Oprah Radio, NPR, The Today Show. (laughs) She's been a little bit everywhere. She's a pediatrician who helps us as parents raise really great kids. Today, she's here to talk to us about, well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Here's my conversation with Dr. Meeker. At the Read Aloud Revival, we're all about making meaningful and lasting connections with our kids. In fact, while I was writing the Read Aloud Family book, at first I thought I was writing a manifesto of sorts on reading aloud, but it became clear to me pretty quickly that the point is not actually the reading aloud. The point is that meaningful connection with our kids. I have Dr. Meeker here today because one of the things you've said, Dr. Meeker, that has had a huge impact on me as a parent is that what our children need and what they really want isn't more activities, more things, more lessons, more gadgets. What they really want is us. So talk to me about what you mean when you say what they really want is us. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Sarah. You know, you're right on and it's such a simple message, but it's one that I have to constantly come back to and encourage parents because conscientious parents don't realize it, but they're acting under a lot of peer pressure. And by that, I mean, if your best friends or my best friends have kids our age, it's very natural for us to sort of compare what our kids are doing with what our best friends' kids are doing and sort of feeling, well, you know what? My good friend's kids are in soccer and dance And mine are only in soccer. So gee whiz, maybe I better step up my game. So 
I think there's in, in a lot of parenting, there's this undertone, this subconscious drive to constantly put our kids in more and, and sign our kids up for more because that's what we know. That's sort of the collective parenting model. But the reality is, and this is really important for parents to understand, a child's identity is shaped by spending face-to-face time with mom or dad and scouring our faces for clues about what we think about them and what we believe about them. And that's why this one-on-one time, got to be in the same room, eye contact. And I love the, the, the reading that you're talking about because it can even happen while someone's reading aloud. But basically what happens is when a child's in a room with a mom or a dad, they're listening very carefully for what mom thinks about them at that moment. Is mom happy about them? Is she angry at them? Is she irritated at them? Is she happy that they're in the same room? And the same is true with dad. And if kids collect these clues from mom or dad that say, yeah, you know, my dad really enjoys being in the room with me. He's reading to me or he's helping. He asked me to cook with him or he asked me to go on errands with him. So then kids take those clues, positive or negative, mom or dad likes being with me, they enjoy my company, or they're constantly annoyed that I'm around. They internalize them and that's who they become. And you and I know this because we were kids once too. You know, how many adults do we know are still trying to prove to their mother or dad that they're really okay? So that's why this face-to-face one-on-one time is so critical to not only a child's self-esteem, but to their identity formation. So being with them more and having them do less builds a solid care, builds a better character in your kids. Yeah, I think I've heard you say before that your kids, especially your older kids and teens, can walk into a room and kind of gauge your mood yes. in the first 15 seconds or something. Tell, me, tell me about that. Oh, oh, you, you bet. Because here's the thing what parents need to re- realize. Kids of all ages, even if they're 18 years old, basically from a year on, well, no, younger than that, sorry, are connected to their parents by a love, a need that's based in love. So they, they have a need-based love. They need parents. Parents don't need children. So when your child is in the room with you, they figure out very quickly what kind of mood you're in because they need to know how you feel about them, what you think about them, if you're happy to see them, because they want you so much to want them around. So that's why when dad walks home or mom walks home at the end of a busy day and it's 5.30 and somebody's little Sally's sitting at the, at the kitchen table coloring, she immediately sizes up mom or dad to figure out, is she in a good mood or bad mood? Is dad in a good mood or bad mood? Because, and then if he's in a good mood, does he see me? Does he like me? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I feel good. I can keep on coloring. If dad is in a bad mood, Sally goes, oh, well, ooh, you know, daddy's in a bad mood. He must not like me. I better not, I better stop coloring. Uh Uh-oh, what's going on? So a child is constantly processing what kind of a mood you're in because they need to feel better about life in that moment. This resonates so much with me. 
I know a lot of our listeners here are homeschooling parents. And one of the things I was just sharing at a homeschooling conference recently was that, you know, the curriculum doesn't matter nearly so much as our disposition and what our kids, you know, what affects our children more than anything in our homeschools, or if we don't homeschool, just in our parenting all around is that peaceful and happy parent, that peaceful and happy mother or father, right? I think that's what I hear you saying. Absolutely. You know, happy moms make happy kids and happy dads make happy kids. Now, I, you know, there's a caveat to that. You know, you don't take off and do whatever you feel like doing just to be happy so that you're home one hour a week and, you know, you're happy. I, what I mean by that is it's really important for parents to do a lot of self-care so that they feel content, as content as possible around their kids because kids wear our feelings. They're little sponges. And there's usually one or two in the pack who wear them more than the other kids. You know, that's that really sensitive child who, if mommy's having a bad day, they're going to go outside and pick flowers and try to make you feel better. I'd like to say it's because they really care about you, but what they really want is you to be happy so they can be happy. Yeah. So, so, so really, you know, kids are profoundly egocentric and that's good. That's the way they're supposed to be. So if you're a parent who basically enjoys your life as a mom or a dad, you're going to have really happy, content kids. If you're really miserable in your life, one or two of your kids are going to wear that misery. Now, I don't want to freak parents out and say they can never have a bad day. Of course you can. But what I mean is do what you need to do to sort of to help yourself live a pretty content life because that's really going to shape your kids. You have so many wonderful books. And one of my favorites is the 10 Habits of Happy Mothers. And in that book, one of the habits, I think it's habit four, is say no to competition. And I don't remember what year this book came out, but I think this is probably even more relevant now than it was when you first came out with the book because of the expansion of social media use. Yes. And, yes. Um, oh, yeah. So what I'm here, what I know for myself is, you know, I have six kids. What I know is that I will start to feel discontent or down or frustrated or angry a lot more often when I'm comparing myself to what I see on social media. So I think that's a huge piece of the puzzle there is saying no to competition. Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you something, Sarah, I just spoke at a a local school chapel on this. There are very clear studies that show there's a link, a direct link between the amount of social media use in girls and depression. And, Mm. And it makes a lot of sense. First of all, social media is a show off zone. It's really not about connecting with people. It's about showing off. It's about showing everybody, look how great I look. Look how happy my kids are. Look how well-dressed my kids are. Look at my kids who are learning to do the laundry and they're four. And to that, <laughs> I say, go away. I don't want <laughs> I will tell you, I can't go on social. I don't go on social media and I'm old and I should have a really healthy self-esteem. But you know what? It makes you feel bad about yourself because no matter what you're doing, somebody else out there is prettier, skinnier, has happier kids, is traveling the globe, has this really glamorous job, is making a lot of money. And she certainly isn't slogging around kids on her hip with ketchup all over her face, you know, because people don't post pictures like that. And so I don't go on that, but you're absolutely right. Mothers by nature are fiercely competitive creatures. 
And we want to do the best we possibly can at this mothering thing. We don't want to mess it up. Yeah. And we're so convinced that we're going to do something that is going to harm our child and for sure they're going to go to jail when they're 16. If we don't get the right curriculum or send them to the right kindergarten at the right time or start them at the, or whatever it is, we're convinced that we're going to really mess up our kids. And to those people, I say this, you know, God is a perfect parent and look how many messed up kids he has. So even if you're really perfect at this mothering thing, your kids are going to grow up to be who they are. And so your job is to sort of steer them this way and steer them that way. And one thing that will absolutely 100% kill your joy as a mom is to compare what you're doing with your kids to with what your good friends are doing with their kids. And we all have this list in our heads. And I think I about write about this in the book that we constantly review, I needed this, I needed this, I needed this, I should this, I should this, I should this, I should not have peanut butter in the house because what if my kid suddenly develops a peanut allergy when they're five and I didn't know about it, they could die. Or, you know, what if I choose the right laundry, the wrong laundry soap? What if I send them to the wrong school? And it absolutely kills our joyous mothers. So I think it's really important to do a lot of self-talk and say, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to pick out three things that I did really well as a mom or I tried really hard to do, and I'm going to give myself a pat on the back, and I'm not going to compare myself to how my friends are doing it. It takes a concerted effort. You have to be very intentional about it, but it really will help pull back and stop comparing yourself to other moms because your kids don't want that mom. They want you. Yeah. You know, they don't want your best friend to parent them. And they don't want their aunt to parent them. They want you to parent them. And so just do a good enough job and your kids will do great. Let's take just a quick break here. Do you want your kids to fall more in love with books than ever this school year? Do you feel short on time or do you ever feel pulled in too many directions? I know it can feel impossible to give our kids a meaningful education and a delightful experience with books, especially if we didn't grow up that way ourselves. Even if we know that we want reading stories to be one of our kids' favorite parts of their childhood, we don't always know how to make that happen. Well, I'm a homeschooling mom of six from preschool to high school, and trust me, I know what it feels like to be pulled in too many directions, spinning my wheels, and not quite sure how to teach my kids in a way where I can still enjoy them and feel good about the kind of education they're getting. I wrote two books, Teaching from Rest, A Homeschooler's Guide to Unshakable Peace, as well as The Read Aloud Family, Making Meaningful and Lasting Connections with Your Kids. For moms who want to teach from rest, want to connect with their kids in a meaningful and lasting way, and want to fall back in love with homeschooling. In Read Aloud Revival Premium Membership, we know that your relationships with your kids matter more than just about anything else. That's why in Premium Membership, you get a regular dose of connection, community, and confidence. Connection to inspire your kids and ignite their imaginations through our family book clubs and also at live online events featuring today's best authors and illustrators. 
community to get refreshed and rejuvenated alongside other moms who are connecting with their kids through books. You'll participate in these regular mama book clubs and masterclasses that are designed specifically to help you teach from rest and lead with confidence. I know you're short on time, and in Read Aloud Revival Premium Membership, we are focused on helping you spend that time where it matters most so that you can connect with your kids through books, you can teach from a state of rest, and you can fall back in love with homeschooling. Read Aloud Revival Premium can also take the place of your literature curriculum in your homeschool. We use a very simple three-step system that helps your kids deep dive into books while it also nurtures family relationships and wholeness at the same time. In our family book clubs, that three-step system is reading aloud, sharing experiences, and having meaningful conversations about books, and we show you how to do it step-by-step. Your kids' relationships with books will just never be the same once they engage in that way with their books and with each other, and especially once they meet the creators who write the words and make the pictures that tell their favorite stories. We bring the very best authors and illustrators to Read Aloud Revival premium membership in live video streams every single month. There is nothing else quite like it. If you don't want to let another school year get away from you, if you want to delight in your kids and in teaching them this year, if you're feeling a little burned out and stretched too thin, I invite you to join Read Aloud Revival premium membership to help focus on what matters most to your family, to teach from rest, and to make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. We actually only open doors to new members a few times each year, and the next time we're opening doors is August. So to make sure you don't miss it, head to rarmembership.com and request an invitation. That's rarmembership.com. I hope you join us and make this a fabulous year for your kids, for you, and for your whole family. Tell me about the difference between, I've heard you talk about this before, and I'd love for our podcast listeners to hear you talk about the difference between being an active parent on the sidelines of your kid's soccer game or basketball game or whatever, or watching your child's orchestra concert or for our homeschooling parents, you know, teaching our kids. What's the difference between that kind of time and attention and the time we spend just delighting in the presence of our kids? It's a great question. There's a huge difference and understanding the difference is critical. And that is we're as a culture Secular culture, Christian culture, Jewish, it doesn't matter what culture ecosystem your kids are growing up in. It really doesn't matter. Our culture is incredibly performance driven. And kids, our parents are performance driven. And if you, so what that means is if our kids excel at something or do well, they get good grades. They're ahead of themselves on their curriculum. I know you have a lot of homeschool parents on their star of the basketball team. They're doing really well in this and the piano or whatever. Then we feel like a job was well done. So in a way, it's very self-serving. It's very egocentric of us. Yeah, yeah. And I will ask mothers, if you think you're not competitive with your kids, pay attention to the conversations you have over the next week with your girlfriends. How many times do you remark on what your kids are doing? <laughs> so that, that, you know, and don't stop yourself. Yeah. And if a friend of yours said, oh, Johnny just, you know, won the soccer game, or I'm so pleased, I'm so happy Johnny is excelling in gymnastics and, 
and I know I shouldn't have him in five days of gymnastics a week when he's three, but you know what? He's just so talented. God just gave him this incredible talent. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, so, so anyway, but here's the difference here. It's really important. If you're applauding your child's performance, you need to back off. And I will tell parents, if you're at your child's soccer practices and their piano recitals and their piano practices, and you're clapping and you're, go, good, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Stop. Because kids see right through that. And what kids tell me, and they usually figure this out before junior high, is this. If I'm not on the soccer field, or I'm not doing my homework right, or I'm not practicing the piano, mom doesn't pay any attention to me. The, mm. I saw a, an elite swimmer who went through college swimming and she really could have been on the Olympics. This kid was really good. She was division one swimming. Her whole relationship with her mother centered around her swimming because mom came to every single swim event, college, high school, anything. After she graduated college and she stopped swimming, her relationship with her mother just fell apart. They didn't know what to talk about. They didn't know what to do. And so if you find yourself as a parent constantly applauding your child's performance, back off. Your child doesn't want that kind of attention. They feel like a little marionette. They feel like they need to continue to perform to get your attention. So here's how you not do that. Here's how you avoid that. Okay. Focus on praising your child's character. Okay. Find a character quality in your child that is innate or that you want to develop. Is your child tenacious? Is your child stubborn? Is your child patient? Is your child kind? Is your child a giving person? Then you, you find times when your child exercises that. You get down on your knees, you look at them and you go, you know what, Sally? You were so kind to your sister. The way you said that, I am so proud of you. Boom. There you go. And that helps you not focus on your child's performance. Focus on their character because no matter what your child's skill level, intelligence, or abilities, every child has some character quality you can praise. And we might not notice it unless we're intentional about looking for Well, I don't know. You know. As a mother, I think we have that tendency. I have that tendency to look. I'll just speak for myself here. I have that tendency to look at my own kids and, and you see all the things that you feel like you need to fix in them. And then it's just, you know, we're, we're looking for the, we notice the things that bother us instead oh. of noticing the things that. Yeah, and, we, and, we, well. and, and we run around like, and we run around, we want to clip this behavior, clip that behavior, clip this behavior, clip that behavior. And it's really, and it drives kids crazy and it drives us crazy. And what we do is we buy into this feeling that if I just applaud my child enough, their self-esteem will go up. They'll be a happy person and we'll have a very smooth relationship. Wrong. Your child doesn't want to be a performer for you. Your child just wants you to enjoy being with them. And I will tell you a secret. I worked with a lot of high-risk teens. I helped start a halfway home for high-risk kids here 15 years ago. Every single high-risk teenager I've ever had has said two things to me. One, no one cares to listen to me. And nobody cares enough to say no. So in other words, these are kids that feel 
No one sees them. No one listens. No one wants to listen. And so it's really important for you to just stop and pay attention to what your kids are saying. And don't always feel you need to correct everything. I think mothers, we feel like, oh my gosh, why did my child say this? I better stop that type of thinking. I better stop that behavior before it gets really out of control. You know what? Sometimes just listen and watch and wait. And a lot of things just go away on their own. One of the things I find myself experiencing with my old, my teens and my older kids as a parent, and then I've been talking to a lot of other parents, you know, especially at these homeschooling conferences, and they'll say this too, is that I think I, in the past, have underestimated how terribly important discussion is in parenting. It's like the, I sort of think now it's probably the most powerful tool I have is to parent well, is this ability to talk with my kids. In fact, in the Read Aloud family, there's a part in there where I say, if you actually need to read less with your kids, do that if it means you'll make more space and time for talking yes. with our kids. So do you want to talk to us a little yes. bit about yes. what that yes. should look like? Yes. And I'll talk specifically to the mothers out there now too, because as I said, we're very competitive and we tend to be very controlling and we want to control the dialogue because we have to get our kids to understand what we're trying to say. Yeah. Right? And if they don't get it the first time, we'll say it over and over and over and over. Well, that doesn't work. One of the best ways to teach your kids and to have control of the conversation is to listen very carefully. Don't interrupt when they're talking to you. Let them finish a sentence because what mothers typically do is we'll ask our kids a question. They'll answer the question. Halfway through their answer, we formulate the correct answer <laughs> and we interrupt them before they finish the sentence to correct what they're saying. Yeah, that I still do that. That doesn't do any good for anybody. All it does yeah. is exasperate the heck out of us. So if you need to count in your head to five or 10, and as you're listening to your child, listen to them and look at them while they're talking. If a child feels you're listening to you, they will talk to you and engage with you. A lot of parents say, my kids will never talk to me. Oh, yes, they will if you listen. The problem is you're not listening and you don't, you don't want to hear what your kids have to say and you want to manage the conversation and you want to correct them all the time. So if you let your kids finish their sentences and make them stay in the room, even if they're angry and say, okay, I'm going to listen to what you have to say, but there are rules. If you're saying things, you can't swear. You can't be mean to me and you can't wreck my stuff or hit me. Okay. So you got to have rules in if you're angry and you listen to your kids. And then rather than correcting what they say, say a little piece of what they said back to you. I, wait a minute, Sally. I, I heard you say that I never listened to you. I'm so sorry. When do I do that? When do I not listen to you? So you reiterate a little piece of what they said, which takes them, you know, but which shocks them because they, they realize, wow, you really were paying attention. And then you ask a question. So you can direct the conversation by asking questions, follow up questions. What makes you say that? Why would you say that? Where did you hear that? Do I really do that? When do I do that? I don't want to do that. How can you help me? If you question a, a child, and they are engaged with you, they will talk to you for an hour. And it takes them off the offensive, it sounds like. It Completely. Takes them, yeah, puts you on the same side. Yes. I think that's one of the things that I forget and that a lot of us forget in parenting is that we're actually on the same team as our kids. We're all rooting for yes. each other, yes. but we, we forget that. 
Well, we're almost, we're just about out of time, but there was one other thing I wanted to ask you, which was, I've heard you talk about the runaway bunny before, which is one of my favorite board books. I love that book so much. And you were talking about how that book is sort of a model for how we should pursue our teens and older kids. Can you just talk about that real briefly before we run out of time? So teenagers and kids pull away because of the way they feel about life, but parents take it very personally and they go, oh, you don't like me. You don't want me to touch you. I'll never forget. I, our, our son is our youngest. We have three daughters and our son, and he's our baby. He's 26, but he's still okay. <laughs> and I'll never forget when he finally just sort of pushed away from me and it crushed me. It crushed me. I thought I've lost him. I've lost him. He's going to jail for sure because I don't have this mom son bond anymore. No. How old was he when that happened? Do you remember? 13. Okay. 13. I mean, shaving, okay. voice change, six feet tall. Yeah. No can touch my mother. Okay. And so anyway, but what happens is kids, because of what they're going through in life, pull away from their parents. They feel foreign in their bodies. And what parents do is they go, ooh, okay, my child's a horrible teenager because all American teenagers turn horrible. They turn into monsters. There we go. I'll see them in five years. No, chase them, love them, go after them. If they don't want to hug you in front of their friends, go to them at bedtime, sit on the edge of the bed, touch their foot and go, how was your day? And if they don't want to talk, you go, okay, walk out. Then go the next night, the next night. It's the runaway bunny thing. You know, a teenager who's withdrawing from their parents is feels so sad and so unheard and so bad about life. And the last thing a parent should do is withdraw from their teenager. Gently, gently, gently pursue them, listen, ask questions, love on them, come at them. Don't interfere in their life. Don't be obnoxious. Don't demand that they talk to you. It's the worst thing a mother can do to a teenage son is say, you never talk to me anymore. Do you just not like me? You know, don't do that to your sons, but pursue them and they'll come back to you. So good. Oh, Dr. Meeker, the listeners to this podcast we're parents. We're all parents who really want to connect with our kids. And this show has been so good at help reminding us of what's most important when we're making connections with our kids. So thank you so much for your time. Before we hop off, where can our listeners learn more from you? Oh, well, um, go to megmeekermd.com. I have a lot of parenting tools and tips and things. And then I also have a podcast, Parenting Great Kids. And somebody said, why would you call it that? I said, I've never met a child I don't think is great. Mm, I love that. I love that podcast. It's one of the podcasts that I listen to just about every single episode when it pops in my feed. So we'll make sure we put that podcast in the show notes, Dr. Meeker's website in the show notes and several of her books, which are all fantastic in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I thank really you, love Sarah. And you. I love, love, love your book and everything you do. All of your listeners need to keep listening to you because you're right on track. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. I am Isla May, and I am six. I live in Tomorunui, New Zealand. My favorite books are the Penderwitz series. My most liked characters are Hound and Batty because Batty and Hound have such a special relationship, and I am a dog person too. <laughs> Mummy likes the Thunderwicks in spring best. 
It made her cry. Hi, my name is Lydia. I'm from Kena, Idaho. I'm 10 years old, and my favorite book is the Betsy and Tacy. I love that book because I like all the adventures they had. My name is Ria. I live in Kena, Idaho. I'm five years old. My favorite book is Happy Picnic. I like the part when they, they take the cartoons off. Hello, my name is Finley. I'm seven years old. I live in Montana, and my favorite book is Winnie the Pooh. My favorite part is when Tigger chokes on acorn. Hey, my name is Priscilla, and I'm from Tennessee. And my favorite book is is, is gymnastics. Top twenty-five gymnastics. Top twenty-five gymnastics. Um, by Jeff Savage. By Jeff Savage, because I'm in gymnastics. Hi, my name is Benjamin, and I'm six years old, and I'm from Tennessee. My favorite books are like all the Narnian books, all the Chronicles of Narnian books. What's your name? Ian. How old are you? Six. Where are you from? Sonia, Ontario, Canada. What's your favorite read aloud? Ginger Pie. Why? Because they got their ducky back. I'm Cole. My age is eight years old. I live in Sarnia, Ontario, Canada. My favorite book is Dash a Book from Dog Diaries. And I like it because it was exciting, some parts intense, and I liked it why the boy dog in it, Dash, became a, was going to become a future dad. What's your name? Uh, Sammy. How old are you? Robert. Where do you live? Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. And what's your favorite read-aloud book? This is Take-A-Wake-Go. Why? Because she's me. My name is Felicity. I'm six years old. I live in Virginia. My favorite book is Half Magic by Edward Eager. I like it. Because all the adventures they have with the charm. And I like that Martha's the youngest, James is the oldest, Mark is the only boy, and Catherine's the little girl. My name is Sebastian. I'm four years old. My favorite book is Grasshopper on the Road because the bees sweeping the road. Oh man, thank you kids. I love those messages so very much. If your kids want to have their messages aired on the Read Aloud Revival podcast, all you need to do is go to readaloudrevival.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll see where you can leave a message. It's very, very simple with the click of a button. We air every message we receive in the order we receive it in. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you want to check out the show notes, you'll be able to find links to everything we talked about, everything Dr. Meeker and I talked about during our conversation right there. And that's going to be at readaloudrevival.com slash 102, because this is podcast 102. So go to readaloudrevival.com slash 102 for the show notes. And I am so glad to have you with us for another season of the podcast. Cannot wait to share next week's show with you. So meet me back here next Tuesday, same place, same time. And until then, 
go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Thank you.